You're listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Friday afternoon. Now, let's end the week with something good. Actually, it's something really great. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to be hearing about Sensational Foundation, which is a local charity that advocates for equal opportunities for people with different abilities. And they are organizing a virtual walkathon called Walk for Equality from the 8th of April all the way through to the 31st of March. And to tell us more, I'm really delighted to be joined on the program once again again by Faride Shroff, the founder and director, and also Danny Kosagara, their advisory board member. Welcome to the program, Faride and Danny. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We are live uh, this afternoon as well uh, on Facebook. So for our listeners who want to watch the interview, feel free to join us on Facebook, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, maybe, Farida, let's uh, go to you first. Um, you've been on previously to talk a little bit more about uh, Sensational. Uh, this time is a bit different because you've achieved Section 88 status. Congratulations to you. Uh, first of all, tell us a bit Thank about you. the work that you do at uh, Sensational Foundation. What is it? Thank you, Noreen. It's an honor to be with you on this program and to share some of the work that we do. Uh, we started Sensational Consultancy in 2013. And uh, at that point, we worked as a consultancy for corporates to raise awareness and make them realize the real value of employing people with disability and how it can change not only their uh, office and and the profits that they make, but also the people who work within the office. So it's it was changing mindsets. So um, recently, over the last few months, we have received our NGO status with Section 88, which is very exciting. We will continue to do the work we did before, but we will also be adding other elements like training people who are young adults uh, with special needs to also find workplaces and provide them with vocational training before they take on their work. Yeah. Farida, I know you've been working as an educator with an interest in a special needs education for over 30 years. That's really remarkable. And, you know, how does, um, I suppose, what does your experience, what, what has your experience uh, taught you and how has it inspired you uh, to start a sensational consultancy and now the foundation? So Noreen, uh being a teacher was absolutely wonderful and I'm so privileged to have been able to interact with so many people over the years. Um, it was my feeling that after all the education that we went through, when they could not join the real world and give back to society and be considered a part of this world, uh, that affected me greatly. And I then decided that it was time for the society to change and enable people rather than disable people. So that was the starting point for me. Uh, and of course, it was out of my comfort zone uh, because I'd always been a teacher. But when I looked at it, I said, it's only a difference of changing the people I'm teaching and talking to. So earlier it was students and now it's adults and I should be able to do that. <laughs> so I uh, boosted myself in that way. That's and, great. And to step um, out of your I own comfort I started out alone. Yes. Yes, yes. I started off alone 
uh, and with one of my ex-students who was going through a very challenging time at that time. Uh, but it has grown and now I have such an amazing group of not only my family and my extended family, but also amazing advisory board people who helped me immensely in every way. Congratulations, Farida. Well, let's bring in one of the advisory board members, uh, Danny Kusagara. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, First of all, maybe tell us a little bit about your background and and what's your role um, as the advisory board member? It's a pleasure to be here, Noreen, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, Yes, so just a little bit of my background. I've been in corporate banking for the past uh, 19 plus years. Um, as a Chief Operating Officer for World Bank of Scotland across Japan, China, Hong Kong, Philippines, and Taiwan. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe because going through an epiphany, I started my own executive coaching work. My wife calls it uh, my uh, uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> You're so young, quarter-life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I started this company and um, I have two best-selling books out. One's called Road to Success and the other one called Inside Out. And during the course of that period, uh, you know, I met with Faride and uh, we, we spoke about what she does. And I just felt that was so much aligned with what I do uh, when I work with corporate leaders or different segments of society. And what Faride is doing is looking at a aspect of society that has been completely neglected for so many years. And I thought if we could even make a small, just a inch difference in, in the perception that people have about this segment of society, it would be huge. So I stepped on as, a, as an advisory member on Free Days Board just to basically help them out in terms of an advisory capacity, in terms of uh, connecting them with large corporates, with potential employers, and people who also to create awareness in Hong Kong about this aspect of society. Uh, Let's say, for example, if everyone in the world was born with a disability, and that was normal, and people who are not born with disabilities was a rarity, what would the world look like? It's like saying that the cars with dents are more expensive than the normal cars. Everybody would buy cars with dents, right? So it's just a perception that we've created that what we are is perfect or is the right thing and what somebody else is is not and that's the kind of perception we really need to shift because they have and i've seen this up front with some of the people that um, uh, free day has trained and some of the people i've met they have some exceptional abilities that's why we call them not disabilities we call them differently abled uh so so i think there's so much uh, scope potential uh for them to get a shot at life that all of us have. Why can't they make a gainful living? Why can't they have a normal life? And I think that's what really inspired me to be part of this whole, uh, of course, Farida as well, because the the work she does, the energy she has, I'm not even halfway there. (laughs) So I'm just very happy to be part of this. Absolutely. I think you both make an excellent point. And I think, you know, it goes back to society has a tendency to focus on disability rather than the ability. And that's unfair because everybody has a passion that they can bring to the table. And and I've certainly been to restaurants where uh, special education needs uh, uh, workers were hired and the warmth and the passion and the diligence that they bring um, to the industry is, you know, irreplaceable. And I've certainly enjoyed that um, 
as, as a customer and, you know, it makes you look forward to going back to those restaurants. Um, and it's about, yeah. uh, you know, you both really, and I echo that point, it's about visibility. If we don't see that happening, if we don't see employment opportunities uh, for, for different people, then uh, the acceptance of it will be less. And perhaps let, let's talk about that. You know, it's about being the pioneers and the, the companies that you've worked with. Um, how easy was them to get them on board? Because like you said, that's not really the norm and it's not really been done before. How do you sort of go about persuading them? It's okay to hire different people. You know, we're all different, essentially. Um, what did you have to do? Uh, Faride, maybe you can start first. So, Noreen, we first start with a basic awareness uh, training, teaching people about what is appropriate language, what, what makes them feel afraid to take on people with disabilities, because sometimes it's just that fear of not knowing what is right. Uh, and people just keep pushing it to maybe next year we will try it. Maybe after a little while, we'll do women this this year, we'll do LGBT now, and we'll do disability later. But that later never happens. And so the awareness is basically appropriate language, teaching people how to interview managers to feel comfortable with people who have disabilities, bringing them in contact directly with them through panel discussions, open channels of chatting and talking to people who have disabilities and saying, hey, they're not so different, you know, they're all people. The bottom line is we all need to be socially accepted. Now, there are over 1 billion people with disabilities world, worldwide. And 500,000 of those live in Hong Kong. There are one third of them who are of working age. And yet, currently, only 24% of companies in Hong Kong focus on disability inclusion. So even though it may be in their policies that they will look into it, nothing is really changing rapidly enough. And that's where I want that needle to move faster. I want more people to come on board and realize what an impact they can make. Because I do believe every single person can make a difference at whatever level they are at. Yeah. So even young children take part in walkathons. And I thought that would be a great way to bring on awareness. They talk to their parents. They're doing it for a purpose. And it also improves their health and well-being. Absolutely. I mean, I, I went to a school where we had uh, special educational needs students. And and I echo that point you, you mentioned just now, Farida. You know, whilst we then graduated and went to university, uh, many of them were not able to go to university. And there's that standstill, you know, where there's no employment available. They can't go on to pursue sort of tertiary education. What on earth do their families do and what do they do with their lives and, and there's so much that you know various people can contribute I mean Danny as an advisory board member are you seeing more sort of open-mindedness um, amongst employers are they sort of when you speak to them yes. what are their concerns well uh, I think maybe two years ago it the, the open-mindedness wasn't really there but gradually uh, with what uh, Farida just talked about I think that awareness has come in because they have to see it in a way that 
it's not they're not doing a favor by hiring somebody uh, from this segment of society. It's actually also the other way around because when you hire people with uh, with different differently able people, you also bring in a sense of kindness, compassion into your corporate environment as well, which is very much lacking, to be honest. You know, it's a very hard environment these days, especially very in Hong Kong. Yes. Yeah, and when you and you kind of bring this this uh, this uh, these kind of personalities, I think it softens the environment. People start becoming a little bit more real. Uh, people start becoming a little bit more humane, I guess. And and I think the whole corporate environment also starts to shift uh, a little bit. So that's really good. Secondly, I think with all this awareness that we've done, people have started to realize that there is a real benefit to their organization as well. That these people do have some skills which they can contribute uh, very positively in their in their day to day work, and you know, evidence is the loudest voice in the room. And 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 when you have these people, um, you know, in, in having a, an interview or demonstrating the like they've done in so many other so many organizations that we've had events in, uh, it's eye opening. They say, oh, we didn't realize that they have so much talent. We didn't realize there was so much skill. We didn't realize that all this talent was available to us. So you know, it's it's just like what I call fear of the unknown. Uh, and I always define fear as a fantasized experience appearing real, F-E-A-R. So it appears real, although it's a fantasy. And when you start seeing that, oh, wow, it really works. Now I'm kind of getting on board. And, and I think that has started to shift over the last 18 months or so quite a bit. So I'm quite optimistic that going forward, we would be able to see, uh, you know, a little bit more normality in acceptance and awareness around um, the people with disabilities. So I think we're on the right track. <laughs> That's great. Um, and also, are there certain industries that uh, that it's more suited for people with different abilities? I mean, for example, I've seen, um, you know, waiters and people working in bakeries. Um, maybe you can both enlighten me. Is it sort of um, uh, seen in the corporate world these days? I, I know that's what you're trying to achieve, but, you know, um, what's the reality of the uptake so far? So I think this year we will be focusing much more on the hospitality industry. Um, so big uh, hotels like J JW Marriott and the Holiday Inn have become uh, partners with us for the Walkathon. And they are leaders and will share and show people that disabilities are welcome to join in their kind of work environment as well. And this is only the beginning. I hope that we will have many more join in because there are so many roles that people can take on in the hospitality industry. There's the laundry, there is the service, um, you know, the restaurants, and there are so many other little jobs that can be taught in the vocational training that we will be providing. So it's a great opportunity for many companies to become leaders in this field and benefit from it. Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the Walkathon, which is uh, the, the virtual Walkathon, which is from the 8th of April all the way through to the 31st of May. Uh, what is it and how did you come up with this idea? This idea was actually uh, introduced by my content writer, Lolita Ho, who has a disability herself. She had a stroke and is affected with uh, mobility and uses a wheelchair. 
she thought about the walkathon because she felt that people in Hong Kong were not doing enough for their own health. And she felt that it was a good time to start something like this. And I said, because of the COVID situation, we wouldn't be allowed to ha have such a big group meetup. So then I changed it around and said, let's use the idea, but become use it in a virtual way. And so we looked into all the possible options and that's how it all started. That's so I have to thank Lolita for that brilliant idea. Hi, Lolita, if you're listening, I got the good fortune to meet you also. That's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Thank you for thinking about our health. And it's true, a lot of the times, because of social distancing, people are so stuck indoors and not really going out as much. So a virtual walkathon is perfect. You can do it in your own time, in a great amount of time as well. You know, there's no excuse. People have well over a month uh, to do this virtual walkathon. Um, we've got about uh, five minutes before the news. I'd like to sort of have maybe Danny and Farida share some success stories. Is there any stories? Are there any stories you can share with our listeners of people that you've helped before uh, to find employment and to find a new meaning to their life? So, Noreen, uh, I, I have not been able to actually place people because we did not have an, an official recruitment license, which we now have got. Oh, because so of the we will be sure. Yes. So that's a very big step because now we can reach out and build our pool of talent. People from all age groups and abilities can reach us and uh, we can put that team together so that we have a bigger pool of talent to share with our um, uh, people who are looking for it, for the companies, for the corporates. So that's for I'm, next I'm time. hoping that will happen. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps um, I want to also highlight a little bit that the various um, um, abilities that you, of the people that you work with. What sorts of disabilities uh, do they have, um, and how um, how might that be perceived to affect their work output? And you know how we can dispel these misconceptions. So we've had people with visual impairment, uh, hearing impairments, um, mobility issues. Uh, people who may just look different because of their skin condition or facial uh, disabilities. So uh, it is very much at a superficial level, but the stigma that is attached to disabilities is very deep rooted. And that is what we are fighting against. The other area that we need to look into is uh, making the place like Hong Kong more accessible so I'd like to elaborate a little bit more on that area, on accessibility at a later point as well. That's such a good point, Farida, and, and I'm glad you, you raised that. I mean, right now um, with RTHK, we're on a split team system. So I'm not working in the Kowloon Tong studio. I'm in Admiralty. And um, just uh, if people are familiar with the Admiralty MTR station, and I remember Fernando Zhang, a former lawmaker, made this point about accessibility of the Admiralty MTR. If somebody was, um, you know, uh, having to go to Pacific Place, 
um, a regular person would take exit F, you know. But if you were in a wheelchair, you'd have to go out exit A, which is all the way on the other side of Admiralty facing Tamer. You'd have to go up, you know, the lift there. Um, up the, those stairs with the, with the electronic lift and then go on ground level all the way from that side of Far East Center all the way on ground level through back to Pacific Place and it can take up to 25 minutes and that's really just sort of unimaginable and when he made that statement I was really shocked to hear that it takes so long um, because of the lack of accessibility so yeah good for you mm -hmm. for, for working um, on, on this area add on to what Friday said about this was you know, uh, having accessibility is one thing, but also for the society to accept that people with disabilities, they have probably one physical disability. We cannot discount all the other things that they do have, all the other talents, all the other skills that is available to them. And, and, and I think that's really, really important for people to understand that just because you have some physical disability doesn't mean they don't have other talents or other skills. Because if you, and, and this goes with anything, uh, even like a machine, if you don't put it to use, it will start rotting. Mm -hmm. If you don't put people to use, they will, you know, it, it, it just kind of starts to deteriorate. So whatever talent, whatever your capacity potential you have, uh, even if it's not 100%, you got to put it to use. When you put it to use, you'll be, you'll be surprised. And I do this in my work, in my coaching work, like when you start, when one aspect of your life starts getting better, it impacts all other aspects as well. So, you know, when you bring them into the workforce and, and they feel confident, they feel proud about themselves, they feel worthy, you know, even that disability, what you call, that start waning away. And I think you can, you can actually emerge as a, as a very powerful human being, I believe. You know, we just need to have that awareness and give them a chance. Absolutely. And thanks to you, Danny and Faride and your team for building that awareness. And it comes down to awareness. It comes down to exposure. Perhaps, you know, we've grown up in a society where we didn't work with people with different abilities. And we have to question why that is the case, you know, and, and perhaps, you know, the, the time to change all of this is now. So for some of our corporates listening, um, maybe there are ways you can, you know, uh, employ people, uh, you know, different people, because it comes down to that, you know, that the staff, the team, and also the compassion that you build in your team. I think, as Danny, you made a really nice point earlier, you know, makes us more human, more more compassionate. And I think that's important in, in society these days when it can be quite stressful and, and, and quite cutthroat. Um, finally, uh, but before we end the program, can you remind our listeners how we can support and sign up for the Walkathon? And uh, have you got a Facebook page and a website that we can support a sensational foundation? Faride? Yes, certainly. If they went to our website, it is Sensational Hong Kong, sensationalhk.org, and they can get information about the walkathon from there. And we and can sign, sign up. up, register. Yes. And uh, that would be a great. That'll be a great thing. Yes. Um, I'll post a link on today's Facebook uh, page as well so people can uh, see it. Uh, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon, uh, Faride, uh, who is the founder and director, and also Danny Kosagara, the advisory board member. Thank you very much uh, to both of you for your time and see you in the virtual walkathon. Thank you very much. Thank indeed. You. Look forward to seeing you, Noreen. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.